Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Very special guest on this evening. We're uh, very lucky to have uh, Lee Gaskin, who's the, of course, the AFL writer for South Australia and uh, all things football. So, uh, Lee, how are you going uh, this evening? Yeah, very well, thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, having me on the show tonight. Yeah, great to have you along, and uh, we're happy to learn also that you happen to listen to a few of the podcasts as well that we put out. So, good to have a, a special guest that's a listener as well. Yeah, no worries. I think you guys do a fantastic job there. So, happy to have a Chat about everything that's happening with the crows, and um, yeah, see how we go. Oh, there's a soundbite. Uh, <laughs> there's a, there is a soundbite. Just to, just to kick us away, um, Lee, I'll, I'll give you a nice, uh, big, open-ended question, just in terms of the um, the crows preseason. Just generally, how you've uh, how you've seen it, and uh, what you, what your thoughts are um, in terms of how we're placed and how we're um, how we're looking as we lead up to JLT one. Yeah, I reckon if there's one word to put down it, I reckon it's probably um, enjoyment. It's sort of the the theme I've sort of got from you know attending all the training sessions and talking to you know coaches and players. It's you know they've forgotten about all the crap that happened last year. That's all in the past. You know they put that to, to bed, and it's just been a lot more um, fun around training. If that's sort of the appropriate word to say, it's just been everyone you know you speak to is just saying it's so much more relaxed than it was last year. Um, everyone's really enjoying that. You know, they're still obviously putting in the hard work and, and doing that, but they're putting in the hard work while also having a good time and um, a lot less sort of pressure on their shoulders. They probably feel, um, obviously, you know, great that the injuries behind them. A lot of it's a very small injury list at the moment. So it just seems like there's a very good sort of vibe around this group and around the club in general. Lee, it's Macca here. Um, just from our point of view, it, it, we uh, we think that the club is a lot more open this year and is deliberately trying to put its messages out there rather than uh, keep themselves contained like they did last year with disastrous results. Um, as an, a reporter who obviously communicates with the club, are you finding that it's a lot easier to communicate this year? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Macca. Um, that's definitely the the feeling that I've got as well. Um, yeah, not everything's that way. And I'll just, I'll give a short example and hopefully the club doesn't mind me sort of talking about this, but um, after Saturday's uh, under 23 trial, you know, all the media wanted to speak to Brad Crouch, obviously first game back, you know, didn't play the whole season. Um, so you know, there were four of us down there from different media organisations after Brad Crouch and we were told, no, this will be wasted if we put him up today, um, which was fine. And then we turned around and see doing an interview with the Crow's own website. So, you know, that sort of frustrates me a little bit because you sort of feel if we speak to Brad, talk to him how great it was for him to come back after his long injury absence. You know, he can sort of get his message across to a lot more supporters. You know, three different, I'm mean, two different TV networks, the advertiser and myself. 
Um, but instead, the club decided to keep on their own platform. So, well, that's probably the one negative example I've got uh, across, apart from, say, eight or ten positive, positive examples um, that we've sort of had over the last three or four months. So I probably thought it was good to throw that out there. But, look, I want to say, I want to preface that by saying, all in all, it's been a lot more balanced and a lot more um, open than it was this time 12 months ago. The one thing I can kind of think about from that the club's point of view there, Lee, is that there was so much interest from us as, as supporters in – Brad coming back, and by them putting it out, it means they can they can put it out straight away through Twitter, through and I know I think they had it up on YouTube pretty quickly as well. Whereas if it's going out via traditional media sources such as your yourself and the advertiser, well, the advertiser is not going to come out to the next day. You're not going to see anything on the news until it's later on. They might put something out a little bit as a teaser during the day, but they want you to watch later on. You won't see the full thing. So I can kind of understand in that respect why the club possibly did that, but I can also understand your frustration. Yeah, just on that particular point though, Nikki, I still think Lee's got a point because of the fact that they could unbelievably both. They could have actually uh, allowed uh, the media in general to have an interview and which would, as he quite rightly said, would have been across uh, umpteen radio stations, would have been on umpteen TV stations and would have been on the media uh, outlets that the club wanted to put it on. So I, I'm actually with the Lee on that one. Lee, well, just bring you back to... Well, like, yeah, the oh. club would have... They would have filmed the press conference and they would have had it up on the, you know, the entire five, six, eight-minute press conference. Um, and in terms of not having it on straight away, I, I don't know about that. I think, you know, ourselves, or sorry, AFL Media and the advertiser would have had something up fairly quickly after the game. And, you know, both networks would have had, obviously, you know, Brad and their six o'clock bulletins and they would have tweeted out, you know, the respective journalists would have tweeted out some photos or video or something like that. So, look, I just think it's... You know, it, it, I can look, I can see from the club's perspective, and when I was told at the time, oh look, we're going to hold breaks, it'd be wasted, you know. And the inference was you get more exposure on a midweek press conference. So I was like, yep, yeah, that's fine. And then when I found out after the game he was actually speaking to the club's own website, that's when I sort of was like, well, you know, I, I just don't see the benefit of that because the TV networks can just take that interview and use it on their platform, on their broadcast anyway. So, you know, but like I, I just wanted to say, like that's one thing that I haven't agreed with, but there's probably been 10 that I have agreed with with the way they've operated during the preseason. Yes, you're certainly quick on the Twitter. There's no doubt about that, Lee. Um, I just perhaps going back to the footy, um, who are some of the players that you've um, observed through the preseason who you, uh, you're expecting to um, have uh, have really uh, breakout seasons? Oh, this is probably an obvious one. I'm sure you guys have talked about him, but Wayne Miller um, just looks like an absolute beast this preseason. Like he, look, he looks, at, he's come back and ripping Nick, and you know, even just having a casual chat with him at the Indigenous um, All Star Summit last week at Point Pierce, he's just in a really good frame of mind. And you know, I'd love to see him, you know, roll through the midfield a bit, play a bit more wing. I know we saw him do some real good things across half back last year, but you know, with Brody Smith back now, and you know. Miller's running capacity is as good as anyone in the club. We've seen that in 2K time trials. He looks really good. 
Um, I was really impressed with young Ned McHenry uh, in the trial on, on Saturday. I just thought his endeavour and his speed in the forward line was something the Crows probably lacked a little bit last year. Um, you know, so I think he was really impressive. Um, and people talked about Rolly O'Brien a lot too. Um, it's probably going to be hard to, um, even with the new rules, I can't see the Crows playing two specialist Ruckman, but it at least shows that Riley's in some really good form and good shape. And if Source does have a bit of a niggling back injury, maybe he can take a week or two off this year and know that Riley can come in and um, be a really good backup to allow Source to sort of, you know, rest his back and um, make sure it heals fully before he comes back for the, you know, rather than sort of playing through that injury for 22 weeks. Um, you were obviously at the game. Um, how do you see uh, the duel that's obviously going on with our smalls and um, Murphy, uh, McAdam, Stingles, um, and even McHenry to some degree as well? That They must be guys that are all in the mix and fighting for about one or two spots. Yeah, I think like, people have probably forgotten about Lockie Murphy a bit, but I thought he had a great season last year and, you know, obviously uh, coming off a rookie deal, came across to Adelaide as a overall from the draft, played as a development player in the sample team and was working in the club shop. And, yeah, I thought it was great that day, apart from his um, atrocious hairdo that he sported. It was actually absolutely Horrible shit. going on with that. <laughs> I don't know if he's already that vision, but he's, he's rolled out like this sort of mullet-type um, operation that's just—it's all party. It's not—it's not business. It's party twenty-four. You know what it reminded me of, Lee? It reminded me of a little bobblehead version of Gary Ayres back in the eighties. <laughs> like you put Lucky Lucky Murphy on Gary Ayres' dashboard, and it'd be a carbon copy, I reckon. Oh, it was—it was horrendous. It's just. The first thing we spotted there, but look, I, I thought he played really well. I thought he might have played like a little bit, like forward, but had a little bit of midfield time as well, which he's probably done more of his junior days. But that role that he would play would be that small forward role. Um, I thought Tyson Stengel was very impressive. Obviously, kicked the four goals, but his pressure was very good. Um, Shane McAdam did some nice scenes too, obviously kicking three, um, and sort of touched on McHenry. He had one nice bit of play where he put a bit of pressure on Xavier Dersma, who dropped the mark, fumbled McHenry, then quickly picked the ball up. Um, and then snapped from about 30 or 35 metres through the goal. So that's the sort of stuff, obviously, the Crows would love to see. There's, you know, I don't think you'd expect, you know, the Kennery and Chase Jones to, to play straight away, given they probably need to spend a little bit of time in the weights room and bulk up uh, to get ready, you know, the size of AFL football. But, um, look, I think Murphy probably gets the first shot, given he's sort of the incumbent small forward. Um, but obviously Stengel and those other guys will be putting on a fair bit of pressure. Now, my impression watching it was that it was it was very much a game of two halves. Was that once we took off right, and then Davis getting injured, that just seemed to to turn the game. They were able to get it out a lot easier out of the the defence. Yeah, Matty Wright. Like I thought he played really well too, and. You know, you'd love to, if if there was an opportunity to put him back on the list for one more year. He might be a, a uh, an outside op- an option there if there's a few injuries struck. But um, yeah, like you know, to Port's credit as well, I thought they were a lot better in that second half. Um, played some really good football, but yeah, it did seem we lost a little bit. Or sorry, the Crows lost a little bit um, once Wright went off, and there was a few of the younger blokes had to sort of step up there. Did you notice any changes in the way that the Crows were actually trying to play, Lee? At times it seemed like we were uh, trying to be quite fast-moving and yet at other times it seemed like we were trying to hold the ball up and play a bit of possession. Did you, did anything stick out to you that might have been different from uh, previous season? Uh, it was, it's similar in patches, but I thought they did get slowed down at times. And I think whether that was... 
um, a game plan or game style from the Crows or whether it was Port Adelaide sort of pressing up and applying some good defensive pressure there, especially in the second half, because sort of thought Port, and they've, you know, Port have talked about, so I won't talk about Port Adelaide for too long or I'll get kicked off the show, but I they, <laughs> we'll edit it. <laughs> I thought, um, I thought they were, um, you know, they've talked about game style all summer and I thought they were a lot different to what they were this time last year. They were like, more direct and um, went longer a bit more than sort of possessing the ball. They were kicking backwards a lot last year in defence and I thought they were going more direct, whereas I thought the Crows on Saturday, um, at times they were slowing down uh, and looking for, you know, taking the time to move the ball and that sort of allowed the defence to um, to get into place. But, yeah, look, I think once once the Crows, once more experienced guys comes, come back in and they, then they'll probably try and play that, you know, that running gun attacking style, which really suits their forward sort of running back towards goal. Yeah, I also thought that uh, some of our young blokes tied a bit. I thought Chase Jones started off quite well, and I thought he's going to have a reasonably good game, but I thought he died as the game went on. And uh, I think it was quite a few of our young younger blokes um, uh, started to tire a little bit. And uh, Port Adelaide's defence was a very, very good defence. They had a lot of quality players back there. Yeah, a lot of those guys, you know, Burn Jones and... Dougal Howard, you know, that was sort of their backbone of their, their back line last year. So, you know, it wasn't like they had a lot of guys who were playing mainly sample football. So it was a good test for the young Crows forwards. And, you know, it was a really hot day out there. I don't mean, excuse me, it was a really hot day. First hit out in the summer. You know, it's, you can probably excuse Jones and these guys for sort of faltering a bit in the last quarter, or, you know, running a bit short of steam. But I thought overall it was a really good hit out ahead of the first JLT game this weekend. Speaking of defence, uh, Lee, how do you see the Crows shaping up? We've obviously got a couple of niggles down back with our key tools. Um, Alex Keith, I had in my top half a dozen, actually. I thought he played really well. Um, how, how do you see that all shaping up for round one? Yeah, I think, well, you can lock in, you know, Daniel Talia, providing he's, you know, plays some part in the JLT. He's a lock there. You know, obviously Laird, Smith, Duday. So there's four guys locked in. Um, you know, you've got Miller in that mix, whether he plays more wing half back. Um, you know, Cole Hardigan's obviously the one. Expect him to, to possibly play this weekend, coming back from that knee injury. Um, but it's probably a toss-up between Hardigan and Alex Keith. You, not, you know, you're right there. I thought Keith was very good on the weekend. And, um yeah, it's going to be a line ball call, I think, between those two guys as to who gets that role as a second key defender. Um, but apart from that, and sorry, the other one who um, is not is in the sort of rehab modified group at the moment is Luke Brown. Um, but I think they're, they're sort of hopeful that he'll play that second JLT game. Um, and if he doesn't, then there might be a bit of doubt in him for round one. But yeah, he's got a bit of a, I think it's a foot issue at the moment with Luke Brown. Oh, sorry, it might be an Achilles, actually, that he had last year. So they're just sort of watching him closely and hopefully he plays against GWS next week. Lee, just on the, uh, the JLT, how do you how do you see us shaping up for JLT 1 in particular and um, just in terms of if you've heard much about how we intend using those uh, those two games and the spread of players? Yeah, I think, and look, looking back on how the Crows approached the two JLT games last year, I think they tried to play... Um, a close to full strength team in both of those matches, and that's obviously why they've, you know, why both clubs and a lot of clubs around the league have opted to have sort of practice games or you know in-house games for their third match because you know they want to give the young guys a run, realizing they want to get you know two games into probably their close to their best 22, 25 players. So I think they'll try and roll out 
all the all the guns this weekend. So those you know providing fitness and stuff like that. So in terms of guys who are unavailable, you probably only got Daniel Talia, Luke Brown, Hugh Greenwood. Um, and that's probably about it. I, I think, you know, you're going to have, you know, your, your Roy Sloans, your Roy Lairds, Bryce Gibbs, um, Sam Jacobs. You're going to get most of those big guns play the two games. Taylor Walker, obviously, another one, um, you know, who had a lot of injuries last year. So I think they'll probably try and roll out their best 22 as often as possible. Uh, with the, with the uh, coming match up at Perry on, uh, I think it's Saturday, isn't it? Um, yep. uh, what do you think the other will do there, Lee? Do you think they'll go with a uh, a mixture of like some good, some young, some some uh, more senior, or do you think they'll go with the with the the better boys? How do you see that one? Um, I think you probably see a few youngsters there with court, and maybe just because there's a few injuries they've got at the moment. Um, you know, Charlie Dixon, Ollie Wines. Um, yeah, they're, they're obviously the two key ones at the moment. Um, you know, you might see um, Robbie Gray is a is a good chance to play. Um, you know, he's sort of back. I think he was back to full training this week. So um, Hamish Hartlett's another one who, who might play. Obviously, coming off that ACL from last year. Um, so you're going to see some experience uh, in that Port Adelaide side. Obviously, all some of the, the kids last week, and maybe someone like a Willem Drew might play again. He was always probably close to Port Adelaide's best on the weekend is that um, inside midfielder type. We can sort of take that Ollie, Ollie Wines role. Um, yeah, the 21-year-old hasn't debuted yet, so they probably want to have another look at him, especially against better opposition. So there's probably a few of those kids on the fringe and probably the same with some of their draftees like Connor Rosie, Xavier Dersma, um, Zach Butters. They'd probably like to get a look uh, how they go against guys like you know Matt Crouch, Rory Sloan, you know these top tier AFL players with the, you know who have senior bodies and see how they you know if they're going to be bumped off the ball or not. So uh, probably a mixture of young and old for Port Adelaide this week, I'd expect. Now, have we heard anything from the AFL regarding whether the hot weather policy is going to be implemented for that game? Because I think it's going to be over 40 degrees and it's played in the afternoon when the sun's at the hottest. So I'd expect if it is, that would mean an increase in um, not only the, the game time in terms of the breaks, but also in the benches. Yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't heard anything um, concrete yet from the AFL, but I would imagine if you know, we are forecasting 38, 40 degrees. Uh, I think in the past when this has happened in the JLT series, that they've extended the benches. I don't know whether it's like 26 players or something like that. Um, you know, obviously probably unlimited interchange and um, yeah, extra drink breaks during quarters and longer half-time breaks and extra water runners on the field, those sort of measures to ensure players have enough water. But, um, you yeah, know, there's, there's no talk of the game being called off or cancelled because it's obviously with, you know, the games are in broadcast, so there's no way that would that would happen. <clears throat> It'll still go ahead. Now, Lee, uh, they rolled out, well, obviously in the in the trials, they've rolled out the new um, uh, rule changes. First of all, how did you see that play out? And also, have you had any feedback or comments from players who have played under those new rules as to how they're finding it? Um, yeah, so we spoke uh, this week to Port Defender Dougal Howard, and he was obviously from a defender's point of view, just saying, like, you know, how quickly the ball can come out of that centre bounce or centre square area. Um, and as a you know, as a back six, especially, you know, he was sort of starting in the goal square as one of the defenders who had to be in the goal square alongside a forward, and just saying, you know, it's pretty it's pretty tough. The ball comes straight down. Depends how he was saying the Crows were sort of changing up their how they're lining up inside fifty because you've got to have 
you know, six forwards inside and six defenders inside your forward 50. So he was saying sometimes the Crows would push those guys up near the 50-metre arc and other times they would sort of have them closer to the goal square um, and they were just trying different things. And as a defensive unit, he found that pretty difficult at times, just adjusting to, you know, sometimes yeah. there was less space, sometimes more. So, yeah, I think teams are going to use the JLT series and the practice games to work out um, different ways to approach that and whether they want extra, you know, want to sort of isolate a key forward in the goal square from that. If they can get, you know, a quick, if you get, say, you know, Sam Jacobs taps down to Bryce Gibbs who then goes, you know, runs out and goes bang to Josh Jenkins one-on-one in the goal square. Like, you know, that's a pretty good sort of um, avenue in the goal right there. So. Well, that nice little tap by Riley O'Brien to Brad, I think it was in the third quarter, was it, maybe? Or last quarter, I can't remember. You get a bit of that happening and uh, you're right, it parks someone up forward like JJ and uh, that's a pretty quick uh, route to goal. It does open things up, and obviously now, um, you know, after that, if it's a behind, then the other team can just, the opposition can then just run the ball out and, you know, take extra metres out of the goal square, and you've got that guy 10 metres back as well from the from the goal square. So someone like a Brody Smith, you know, he'd take off and he can launch the ball close near, you know, centre wing nearly. So you can transition that ball so quickly the other way, um, you know, turn defence to offence so quickly. Just on the kick-ins uh, quickly, um uh, uh, there were two very distinct ways of going about it as far as I could see. The Crows seemed to just basically push their zone back by about 10 metres and basically try to crowd the corridor sort of around centre or just in front of centre, whereas Port seemed to be a little bit more man-on-man in terms of how they were trying to defend those kickouts. And I also thought that Port were kicking out uh, far deeper and quicker, uh, whereas the Crows seemed to be kicking out in a more traditional manner. Did you see anything in particular? Yeah, that was sort of the same stuff I was picking up as well. It did seem like they had a um, specific plan that, uh, and we probably touched on it before in game style, the Crows were really keen to possess the ball, um, you know, whether that was just through short kicks going backwards sometimes, whereas um, Port Adelaide, and, you know, they've talked about this at Nauseam during the preseason, that they want to be quicker, they want to go um, longer and more direct, they don't want to sort of be um, going backwards as often as they were at times last year when the ball movement got really stagnant and even their set that I got, you know, their game style got really boring at times. Um, so they've tried to really change things up and I thought the Crows were a bit more um, conservative there. Whether they continue that for the next two JLT games is something to definitely uh, keep watching and see how that pans out ahead of the regular season. Yeah, boringly, um, AFLX, and I wouldn't spend a lot of time on it, but um, it was, I found it was uh, interesting to watch for a, a while, but as it kept going and going, I thought it became boring. Yeah, it's look, it was targeted at kids, wasn't it? So it was an entertainment, you know, from the, uh, you know, from when the players arrived to the NBA All Star style to you know, in their suits and skateboards and whatever else. And and then you had, um, you know, rock, paper, scissors, you know, all the players getting behind that. It was just a knot of entertainment, really. You know, it was just a bone, you know, the skills and stuff like that. It was end-to-end stuff, bruise-free footy. There was something like one or two tackles the entire night. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Probably by accident. <laughs> it was up, up and down, you know. Players obviously didn't want to get injured, you know, it's the last thing they wanted. So it was just a... It was just a you know a, a not a fun football really with um, nothing really on the on the line. And I understand what you're saying, and I think there was a, it was a great exhibition of skills, but I think um, because there was six games and then I think a, a, grand, a grand final which makes seven games, I just think too long. 
Yeah, it was. I think it was probably was that two and a half to three hours. I think it might have yeah. gone for. So it was. Yeah. It was a big. It was a big night of, um, of football, but um, I think you know, and also I think for, for kids that go along, and I think that was a big difference. So last year, cover the the one they have at Highmark Stadium here, where uh, you know the Crows are in all the I still remember Cole Cheney missing that the first premiers. Uh, I don't want to get, get flippant there because I think Cole Cheney had a pretty uh, had a very good career, so I don't want to sort of. He's dead set stiff, I reckon. Yeah, I think so as well. Although he probably deserved another year on the list, but that's another topic for another day. But um, he's almost yeah. a lock for Hills Hills League uh, best and fairest. You would have thought, whatever that medal's called. It's a great pickup by Handorf. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so I thought the big difference. So last year, I thought the issue was. You know, kids would go along, but there was no big names to, to look at in the AFLX tournaments. You, no one knew who was playing. You'd seen fringe players and first and second year guys run around. Whereas this year it worked because, you know, you had Nat Fife, you had Patrick Dangerfield, you had Eddie Bett, Jack Rewalt, you had all the superstars of the game. So, you know, you're eight or 10 year olds who don't know much apart from the their favourite players, you know, they buy the footy cards and they go, Dad, I've got this guy. And they can look out and there he's running around kicking 20 point goals. Can I just ask one question? There was uh, we talked about AFLX um, uh, a couple of weeks ago on, on the show, and I just sort of mentioned that I I had in my my head that there must have been there must be some strategic imperative by the AFL with AFLX, something that maybe we're not seeing, and to, to have the clubs on board as they are supplying all their superstars. Is is, is there anything more? To, um, do you think, Lee, or is it? Am I just sort of trying to read too much? Is is it just a bit of a carnival for the kids? Yeah, I think that was that's one of the I think the objectives was, you know, to provide a uh, a fun game that kids can sort of you know, sort of get involved in and, you know, see all their favourite players in a short format of the game, you know, sort of like um AFL's equivalent of twenty twenty cricket. Um, you know, and there's also been the discussion that, you know, this is a game you can take overseas to countries that don't have big big spaces or big ovals. So, you know, you can put it, you know, in Europe where they've got they don't have many cricket grounds, so they've just got you know, um, you know, soccer grounds and stuff like that. So you can introduce it in the game this seven by seven on seven style. Obviously, you don't need the requirement to have thirty six players to have a game of Australian rules football. So there's an opportunity with athletes to take it abroad. But you know, also the way to market the kids and sort of you know, children don't have long attention spans. So you can sort of just take them along, have a fun night of the football, see their favourite players, and you know, everyone's had a good time. I will say though that Lady most definitely did not make a new fan that night when he got the kid with the Falcon <laughs> after the goal. Um, but but on that point, though, they've already got AFL 9s, which you can play actually even on even smaller spaces and you can have a number of games going. So why didn't they do it as an AFL 9s type competition? And the fact that you um, – and the point you're – talking about there, Lee, is that, you know, they wanted it short, sharp and shiny for the kids, et cetera, et cetera. It was still just as long as a normal game of football. Well, I suppose if you look at it that way, when you've got six teams and playing over that, you know, two or three hours, but, you know, watching the telecast, I don't know what you guys thought about Texas commentary. We'll leave that for another day. No, it was rock solid, I thought. (laughs) (laughs) I I Quite honestly, Lee, I actually did not bother watching. I was not. I, I actually loved it when I think it was one of me and JB put the question to text about the Port Adelaide co-captaincy and how yeah. they're going down that way. <laughs> Just swatted away. Swatted away, flat out. Like I'm not touching that at all. Yeah. <laughs> I know what's going to happen if I say anything. So yeah, um, Kane Cords is going to get on Twitter. 
Yeah, that's right. Look, I thought it was a fun night. Like you said, it was still, uh, in terms of the length of it, it's still as long. But, you know, there were a lot of activities for kids there. It was all, you know, there was rock climbing, there was, you know, clowns, there was other stuff going on outside. So I can see why the AFL wanted to try AFLX. Uh, You know, it's no harm in trying something for a year, see how it goes, and if it's successful, then try to get in and keep it going year after year. If not, move on to something else. So, look, I just thought it was a fun night out. You know, uh, it's you know first game of the season, or you know now we're sort of getting into the the start of the, the men's football season from this week and onwards in the JLT series. So Lee, um, because uh, we're conscious that you got uh, something in the oven there. Um, <laughs> aside from the crows, uh, well, first of all, do you see uh, a big enough improvement with a with a, uh, a decent run of injuries for the crows to get back into contention? Uh, and secondly, uh, who do you th- feel might be the contenders this year? Is there a bolter, or do you think uh, uh, Collingwood and West Coast and those clubs, Richmond, will stay at the top? I'm probably wary of answering this uh, because I know if I get it wrong, I'm going, it's going to be played back at When the team, the team I tend to do well is actually already planning their trip in Bali in September. So, uh, it's a difficult. Well, let's start with the Crows firstly, and I, look, you look at that list, and it's still it's full of A graders, and it's full of really quality players from one to twenty-two. Um, so I think if they do get a good run with injury, I'm just excited to see what Brad Crouch can do with yeah. you know with a full season. I think yeah. everyone's just really keen to see what he adds to that midfield mix, and you know with his combination of inside outside that he has, and um, you know I think Source Jacobs is keen for a bounce back year, probably the same with Eddie Betts. I think he was you know he's really admitted he was down on his form last year. So there's a lot of guys with upside, and you know we're still then talking about the Dudes and Millers and. You know, Brody Smith for an entire season. So there's no reason I think they can't be a top four side. I think they've got a got a list they're capable of getting back to top four if they can recapture that, that footy they played in twenty seventeen. But, you know, we talk about that and we talk about the teams that are on the way up and you know, we saw Melbourne get so close last year to make it all the way to a prelim, get it then get absolutely belted over in Perth. So, you know, they've added a pretty decent defender in Stephen May to that side. So I think Melbourne will be up there again. Um you know, you imagine Collingwood will be still pretty, you know, bitter after how things panned out for them in yeah. the season. And you think Richmond, you know, clearly the best side during the home and away season. And then to, you know, really choke how they did in the prelim. Um, yeah, they'll be obviously keen to make amends. But then, you know, you can throw obviously the, you know, that's not even mentioned the premiers. But don't yeah. want to sort of write off West Coast. Well, you know, losing Scott Life, it's a big blow for them. Um, but apart from him, they've retained the most most of their side. Um, Essendon, obviously, a lot better with Dylan Shield coming across from GWS. Um, Giants, look, it's, it's hard to know when, you know, how much talent can you take out of that team before they eventually come back to the field. So I think they'll be a top eight side, but it'll be, it'll be a struggle for the for the Giants. It's hard to, you know, a couple of injuries. I think their depth will be severely. Yeah, injured. I agree with that. They're, probably, they're not as deep as they were. So, and that was always going to be the case when you had all those first mm. draft picks out of that club. Um, but yeah, there's probably, you know, it's probably eight, ten, ten teams you can throw in the mix for the premiership, I think. Yeah. Now, at the other at the other end of the ladder, what percentage of a chance do you give us for having pick number one at the end of the season? Oh, <laughs> this is a juicy one, isn't it? This is a really <laughs> juicy one. This is the one. Yeah, this is a game within a game right here. Uh, 
they've had a couple of injuries, haven't they, Carlton? Is it, I think Sam Doherty's out again with another ACL. Yeah, he's so, gone. Yeah, and uh, I think that kills them. Yeah, he can't take a trick. So, look, you think they're probably bottom four? You think, you know, even though look, Gold Coast looked okay from all reports on the weekend against Brisbane, um, but they're probably – Gold Coast is still – probably going to finish last. Everyone's probably tipping just for the amount of talent that's left that club and, you know, the, the players have brought in. Um, a lot of kids, a lot of talented kids, like, you know, Rankin and Lacocious are going to be very good, but it's just a big ask for them straight away. So, look, you probably think Carlton are probably bottom four. So, St Kilda are probably the ones I reckon that are the main contenders for for uh, the last place. I, I reckon they're in a bit of disarray yeah. down there. Yeah, they're talking up their list a bit, but, yeah, it's hard to see a lot of um, genuine you know, game breakers and quality in that St Kilda. And, you know, giving five years to Dan Hanabry with the injuries that he's had yeah, as well. Yeah, big call. It's, it's a big, big call. So, yeah, I think you throw St Kilda, um, you know, Carlton, obviously, Gold Coast. Um, and the Western Bulldogs are probably one I'm not 100% certain on how they're going to come. Yeah. Yeah. This year, you know, Fremantle, obviously, I'm not really that confident about them. But, you know, if Nat Five has another big year, you know, losing Lockie Neal's huge for them. And I really, it's hard to really know what Port Adelaide's going to do this year. Uh, it's it's such a big year for them in terms of, um, you know, the pressure the the fan base is putting on them um, with obviously the co-captain decision. And, um, you know, obviously missing the finals in the, in the manner they did last year, you know, dropping off dramatically at the end of the season. So, you know, Port could either be, you know, back on the top eight or could really have a stinker. So it, it's, Come on, Lee, don't sit on the fence with Port. What do you really think? <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell them. A lot of, oh, it's a lot of questions with them, I think. There's, yeah. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of iffy parts with that Port Adelaide side right now. So if I'm going to, if I'm tipping right now, I'm probably thinking they're going to miss out, probably around that sort of 13th to 14th sort of position there. Yeah. Maybe a little bit higher, but I can't see them given the quality in the competition sort of being a top eight team. Lee, thanks so much uh, for joining us. It's been, uh, we could just chat all night, but uh, unfortunately, no, we've got, uh, you've got tea in the oven and you've got a basketball game to play. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you go. But uh, it really has been brilliant to have you along uh, for a chat. As I said, we could have, uh, we could have gone easy for another hour, just, uh, just talking football, which is what we love to do. Absolutely, guys. I really appreciate the invite. And, um, yeah, if you ever want me back on during the year at some point, I know you've probably got a lot of people to talk to, but if you ever want me on, just, um, yeah. See you, guys. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.